Everything he knows, I'll tell you, he did good. Well, wasn't this morning good? I'm glad to be back. Tonight, for just a little bit, I want to preach on the subject of jaw-dropping moments with Jesus. Jaw-dropping moments with Jesus. Mouth-dropping moments. I want to pick on uh, Cody real quick. Do you know that fellow in the top right-hand corner Cody who is that that's it did he say Barney yeah Barney Fife that's right (laughs) one of my all-time favorites right there but uh, you know there's definitely moments in the Bible where uh, if we would have been there if we and it's evident that our mouth would definitely probably be in one of these positions and that we would just be amazed at what Jesus did imagine you know and sometimes if if you you have to read between the lines you just have to imagine yourself in that spot and what I what I did was is I I picked as I was looking at this I was just kind of running this thought down I picked one from each gospel and then one from Acts. Now they all have, all five of them, obviously four Gospels and the book of Acts, have something in common besides being a jaw-dropping or mouth-dropping moment. 
the very first one in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 8. <clears throat> or we'll look at a couple of verses around that portion of Scripture. When I think of Matthew 17, I think of the Mount of Transfiguration. <clears throat> and as we get there, and all the the things that happen, and uh, he's just there's just four guys. There's Jesus, according to verse one. There's just Jesus, Peter, James, and John. And so they're going along, and and uh, they get up. They're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And when we were in Israel, we went by there, and they don't really know the spot. They just said, oh, "Okay, it's, it was around here somewhere." That's you know, and everywhere the, this is where he did the uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, they don't know where he was when Jesus just it was, but they had a, they have an idea. So they pointed out there to one square mile. They uh, and just so you know, one thing that doesn't change though, there's neat places like the Sea of Galilee. You can't change that one. The Sea of Galilee is still in the same spot that it was two thousand years ago, and the shoreline might be shaped different, but it's still the Sea of Galilee. And so they're there. And uh, they're, man, this is exciting. He's been transferred, transformed right before their very eyes, and it's a word that means metamorphosis, and they're just, everything's going along. But what happened in verse 5 is, While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud, and God spoke out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And it says in verse 6, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. But when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And if there's one thing, there's anything that you can get to say that Jesus is my only thing. I need Him more than anything. That, it's, that your life is based and surrounded by His work. You, you look to Him for strength. It's about Jesus. And so that was a jaw-dropping moment. A mouth just, ah, they're just, they look up and they don't see anybody. They're afraid, but Jesus only. So many times we see everything but Jesus. And Jesus is not the most important thing in our life. Or we get our eyes on our problems. Or we get our eyes on a person. Or we get our eyes on a situation or something going on, and our eyes are on everything but Jesus. We need to be here. When our eyes are on Jesus only, and it's all about Him. The next gospel, mouth-dropping moment in Mark chapter 4, in verse 39, of course, a very powerful scene is unfolding whenever he told them that they needed to go to the other side they had sent the multitude away We're, let's go to the other side of the sea of galilee and uh which basically you know it'd be like saying let's row the boat from here to mount olive church now, most everybody in here knows where Mount Olive Church is. That would be about the distance to row the boat. <laughs> That's not, you know, from here to Bulls. 
That's not that. I mean, that's just a that's a light, that's a pond. Okay, if we're rowing from here to Bulls, that's a pond. And uh, so you you uh, row it from here uh, to Beebody's house, and that's a huge lake. But row it from here to Mount Olive Church. Now that's the Sea of Galilee. It was a long, pretty good sized body of water, and it still is. But so they're headed to the other side. And then we look at verse 39. I'm in Mark 4:39. And he arose. This is the storms beating down on them. The famous, and it says that not only just a little storm, it was a great storm of wind. I mean, it's howling. There's, there's waves coming over in the boat. They're afraid for their life. He arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And notice the Bible says in, at the end of verse 39 that there was a great calm. Verse 40, And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. They feared exceedingly. And said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, folks, again, a jaw-dropping moment. And it wouldn't be so terrifying. It wouldn't be so amazing like I've described before if it just slowed down. But it happened so suddenly. It went from rain. I mean, it's, it's kind of like on the Forrest Gump movie. He had rain coming down, rain coming up, rain coming sideways, and rain coming from every direction. And they couldn't even see because of the rain. Windshield wipers going if they had those. And some, it's just going crazy. And, but all of a sudden when he said, peace, no more drops, no more wind. And get this, I don't even think there was another ripple. It was that jaw-dropping because of their reaction. Read between the lines. Look at their reaction. Matter of fact, not only were they shocked about what happened, but they, they were scared of him. Now, it wasn't run from the monster scared. It was, who exactly are we in the boat with? Do you have any idea what he just did? Blown away. I got chill bumps on my chill bumps. <laughs> I'm that blown away by what this man just did. And folks, I think even after the resurrection, him walking up in a glorified body, some people are still wondering, Still wondering, is this really God in the flesh? You can read Matthew 28, even in the Great Commission, you know, it says that uh, they watched him ascend up. The Bible says this. They watched him ascend up into heaven. And it says this in Matthew 28. It says, and some doubted. How can you doubt? And you just saw him go up in a glorified body. Amazing, jaw-dropping moments. Still, people doubt, which tells me that what he's said here, how is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And so looking at this, an amazing account, Luke chapter 5. 
So we're in our third gospel already. Luke chapter 5 and verse 13. Uh, I looked at this because if you knew the time, if you know the time period, if you know the culture, if you've studied the culture, this was a jaw-dropping moment. It doesn't look like much, but if you study it out, you read between the lines, it was a jaw-dropping moment. Luke 5:13, and he put forth his hand. This leper wanted to be healed. And touched him, saying, I will, because he said, would you please heal me? I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. The reason that this is so jaw-dropping, because everybody that was around, you don't touch lepers. But Jesus was not afraid. As he made that fellow's skin like a brand new baby. And whenever he reached out, he said, would you? And he's standing there, and he knows that there's a certain distance that only, he can't go any further. And what was he even doing in this rabbi's presence? And he said, I would love for you to heal me. I've heard about you. I know who you are and I believe you. Will you heal me? And you could have heard gasps from everywhere. <gasps> Whenever Jesus says, I will. and he, he, Hey, could he have done it without touching him? Yeah, because he's healed people before over distance. He's healed people before from afar. You know, the centurion servant, just speak the word. Just And I know my servant will be okay. Just All you got to do is, remember what he said about the centurion? He said, I've not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. So Jesus' distance was no matter to Jesus. He could heal with a spoken word over a distance. So he did he have to touch him? So what, Why? Why did he touch him? To show you that he can set anybody free from fear. Some of us in this room, our leprosy is not a skin disease. Our leprosy is our fear. Our leprosy, we could be afraid of people. I'm not afraid of anybody. But then we won't. We don't share our faith. If we're not afraid of anybody, then why don't we share our faith more? Because we're afraid. We are. We're afraid of people's reaction. We're afraid of... You you say, well, don't phrase it that way, Brother Michael. Okay, I'll phrase it this way. We're afraid of maybe rejection or maybe how people respond. Or or we're afraid how we'll look. We're afraid of our own appearance. We're afraid of not having the right words. We're afraid of uh, not knowing how to... But just saying anything for the Lord is better than nothing. And bragging on Jesus. So we all have a certain amount of fear... Most of the time, though, we would like to keep that down inside and we will never admit it. But that could be our leprosy. But Jesus says, if you'll ask Him, He'll touch you and that'll be gone too. And it'll be a jaw-dropping moment when you let go and let God have complete control of your life. In John chapter 11, another jaw-dropping moment. This is going to take up a bunch of room on the screen. 
John 11.35. A jaw-dropping moment. Told you all I'd take up a bunch of room. (laughs) Jesus. Why is that jaw-dropping? The Savior, your Savior, my Savior is not afraid to let others see Him weep. Because he, I think He was crying because Lazarus, His friend, had died. And not only is He... had, And He knows He's going to raise Him from the grave. You see that as you read the chapter. But then He looks at His other friends and they're all upset and they're crying. Jesus, this this short little verse, many of course know it as the shortest verse in the Bible. And then as you read the story on, we know that of course they you know they say, Well, you can don't don't roll away the stone because he's been dead four days and he's he's rotten, he's stinking. He says, That don't matter. Bring it on back. God removed the death and God removed the stink. Okay? Amazing, jaw-dropping moment, but to me, the bigger jaw-dropping moment, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. The shortest verse in the Bible is followed by a neat observation in verse 36. What does it say? What what does that tell me and you? Read between the lines that Jesus was crying in front of other people. And they observed it. If people cannot tell you care, then they don't think you do. Oh, me or amen. If people cannot see that you care, then they don't think you do. You say, I care, but if nobody ever sees that you care, a jaw-dropping moment, they saw Jesus wept and they responded. Which tells me people need to see us weep, which, and not weep just because you say, well, only sissies cry. You cry because you care. Or you miss a loved one, which you care for them. Many times I've been with people and they, You never see them crying. You see them cry maybe at a funeral or something like that. Why do we cry at funerals? Because we miss our loved one. Which means what? You care. You care for others. Jaw-dropping moment. Jaw-dropping. The last one in Acts Chapter 9. These are all jaw-dropping moments with Jesus. Acts chapter 9 and verse 4. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Well, who in the world are you? That's what verse 5 says. Who in the world are you? Well, I'm Jesus. 
whom thou persecutest. Hmm. Oh my goodness. The uh, all of these have had something in common. Now the jaw-dropping moment, and we really didn't see it in John 11, but we saw it really em- emphasized in the others. And that's verse 6. In Acts 9, 6, here's the, you say, I thought the common denominator is all jaw-dropping moments. Now, this is the one I want to point out. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, <clears throat> what would thou have me to do? Here's the common denominator, trembling. When's the last time we trembled? Before the Lord. When you realize that God wanted to, you to do something, when you let go, let God have complete control of your life, when you trembled before the Lord, folks, when people, and if we haven't trembled in a while, we haven't been in His presence. Because being in the presence of God, whether you're looking at Isaiah 6, which is an awesome thing that I, I vision that Isaiah saw, or you're looking at all these incidences that when God did something, people trembled if it doesn't give you chill bumps now i'm not i'm not after feelings i'm after god just working we ought to tremble when we see three young people give their heart to jesus and follow him in baptism all at the same time and it doesn't mean that like i said they're going to be perfect None of us are, and we've been saved a gazillion years. And we're still working on it, aren't we? We're still working on that new man. That I'm saved, but you, you want, don't you want this to have less control and this to have more control? So we've got to fight it. Even Paul said, that which I want to do, I do not, and that which I don't want to do, I do. So if he says that, and I know it's a struggle with me, even me, trembling. I love that passage. And that's it. That's the jaw-dropping moment when you realize who's, he's been there all along. The jaw-dropping moment to Saul then, later Paul, is he said, you were there all along. I didn't realize it. And his mouth fell open and he said he was saved before. And, and, and B-Buddy and I were talking about this. The moment that you let go and you're, when are you saved? When you actually say the prayer or whenever you just, the moment in your heart you say yes to him. And I'm going to do it. It's a jaw-dropping moment when you see Jesus working. And then you tremble because you have an opportunity to have been there. And you have the opportunity to experience it. And you have the opportunity to be a part of an awesome church where Jesus is working. And He's alive. And He's still in the soul-saving business. Never cop out and say, well, the times of the changes and less people will be being saved. That's not in the Bible. It does say there will be a falling away first, but anybody who will listen to the Word of God can be saved just as much as ever. You say less people will listen, but there are still some that will. May we boldly proclaim the Word to those who will listen.
we'll have those opportunities as we prepare for him invitation. <clears throat> bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity, just realizing that any time that you work, it's a great thing. You're still in the soul-saving business. We are praying for all of the young people that gave their heart to you. May we reach out and encourage them and their parents and grandparents, thank you for those who make sacrifices so that we could have this opportunity here tonight. And Father, may we tremble in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.